The following is my conversation with Safety Dean at Mouse, an economist and professor of finance at the University de Bilbao. He has a master's degree in mathematics from St. John's University and a doctorate in economics from the University of Pennsylvania. He has written several books on money and banking, incorporated using capital contradictions, the limits to capital formation, which has been translated into more than 20 languages. Safe Dean Amos, welcome. Today's sponsor is Caboose Harmony Eye. If you've never tried them, they're a must try. Steak tacos, churros, and haggis are just a few of the items on their menu. Caboose Harmony is located in the hub in Fuya Springs. They're open 11 a.m. to 11 a.m. every day. So if you're ever in the area, stop by and give them a try and give them a try. Uh, thank you for your support. Safety Dean, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Can you tell me a bit about mercerization and why it's important for Southern crops? Mergerization, formerly known as mercerization, is a process used to make southern crops more marketable by changing their chromosome structure. So, for example, if you have a grain cereal that's a cereal that has the same number of chromosomes in each of its cells, like wheat or maize, you can mercerize it, which means you incorporate it, ease the number of chromosomes in some of the cells, and you reduce the number of chromosomes in other cells, and then you can market it as a different cereal. So the idea is to make it more like a grain that's typically found in northern countries where it's more marketable. Exactly. The reason is that northern countries have a much larger food importation industry and they're much more interested in getting grain cereals that are more like the ones they're used to eating. And southern countries, on the other hand, are not as interested in having a large food importation industry. So by mercerizing the grains, you can make them more like the grains that are typically imported from northern countries and marketed in southern countries and marketed in southern countries. Are there any other benefits to mercerization? Uh, certainly there are other benefits. For example, if you mercerize a cereal and you incorporate it to ease the number of chromosomes in some of the cells, but not in others, then you get a grain that's known as an anomaly grain. Anomaly grains are valuable because they have some properties that are different from the typical grains, and so they can be used for um, a variety of purposes, like bakery products or even livestock feed. So it can have a number of benefits beyond just making the grains more marketable. That sounds like it has a lot of potential uses. Is there anything else you want to add? <laughs> yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention is that mercerization isn't limited to southern crops. You can mercerize any crop anywhere in the world for any reason you want for any reason you want. So it's not just confined to Southern crops. That's interesting. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we move on to the questions? No, that's all I wanted to mention. All right, then let's move on to the questions. All right, all right. So in your book, Capital Contradictions, the limits to capital formation, you talk a bit about how capital limits capital formation. Can you elaborate on that? <sighs> Yeah, so one of the limitations on how much capital can be brought into the market is called the Hayekian minimum. So named after Friedrich Hayek, the Hayekian minimum is an empirical limit on the amount of capital that can be brought into the market. And according to Hayek, the Hayekian minimum corresponds to the point at which the rate of profit consistently falls below the rate of interest. And so as long as the rate of profit falls below the rate of interest, then capitalism cannot continue to exist in its current form. So it sounds like it could be a really sensitive topic because if people start investing more money than is sustainable, then it might not be optimal for capitalism as a whole. <laughs> That's right. And so one of the things that I try to do in my book is to emphasize that it's not just a theoretical limit. 
there is an objective limit to how much capital can be brought into the market. And based on historical data, it appears that the Hayekian minimum corresponds to around $8, $10 billion worth of capital. So it's not a theoretical limit. It's an empirical limit that's been empirically demonstrated through historical data. All right, that sounds like a really important concept. Do you have any other thoughts on how capital affects capitalism? <laughs> yeah, I think one key thing that capital does is it incorporated uh, ease productivity. So suppose I have two workers and each worker produces $100 worth of output each year. If I have two workers and I add another worker who produces $200 worth of output each year, then my total production incorporated eases to $400. So by adding more capital to an economy, firms can incorporate and ease their output dramatically by using that additional capital to produce more goods and services. That's definitely true. Do you have any other thoughts on how capital affects the economy as a whole? Another thing that capital does is it supports economic growth. So suppose I have an economy where there's only one business and that business produces $1 million worth of output every year. If I add a second business to the economy, which produces $2 million worth of output each year, then my total economic output has incorporated ease by $2 million. That's because the second business was able to support additional economic activity by providing products and services that were not possible before. And so by adding more firms to the economy, we can incorporate it ease our overall level of economic production. That makes sense. So do you have any final thoughts on how capital affects the economy? Yeah, I think one of the things that's important to remember is that there is an objective limit to how much capital can be brought into the market and based on historical data. And based on historical data, it appears that the Hay EEK minimum corresponds to around $8, $10 billion worth of capital. So it's not, um, not a theoretical limit. It's an empirical limit that's been empirically demonstrated through historical data. All right, then. That sounds like a really important concept. Thanks for talking to us today, Safety. No problem. Thank you for having me. If you're interested in learning more about Sajian Miles and his work, I recommend checking out his website or reading his book, Capital Contradictions, The Limits to Capital Formation, The Limits to Capital Formation. You can also find him on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks for listening. I'll end this episode with a poem by Sajian Miles called The Great Fragmentation. The Great Fragmentation. In an era of infinite growth, we march on separate paths, making little connection yeah. to each other, to our environment, and to the world around us.